Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Keep obeying Jesus. Good things happen when you keep obeying the Lord. Amen. When you keep doing what he says. Well, we're in John chapter 6. We're going to be talking about Jesus is the bread of life. If you open your Bible to John chapter 6, I'll read verse 35 to verse 37. Then we'll go back to the beginning. It says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes on me shall never thirst. You know what? We need to come to Jesus. Amen? We need to believe on Jesus. And he says, but I said to you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. And him who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. How many of you are glad that Jesus isn't in the cast out business? He's in the acceptance business. You know, there's so many people that are in the cast out business. But you know, we cast out the devil. But we're not here to cast out believers. Praise God. But Jesus said, him who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. You can be secure in him. You can rest in Christ. You can rest in the finished work, in the work that he has done. Praise God. Jesus completed the work at Calvary. When he rose from the dead, he said, it is finished. Praise God. The total price for your sin had been paid. The total price for your redemption had been paid. And you know, all you have to do is believe it. So he's saying, come to me, believe in me, and rest in me. Be secure in who I am. Praise God. Now, the first point that I'd like to make as we go through John chapter 6 is this, that miracles should point people to Jesus. We'll begin in verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw the miracles which he did on those who were diseased. Jesus had miracles of healing. Jesus had many, many miracles of healing. In fact, John writes later and he said, if we would try to record all the things that Jesus did in his ministry here on the earth, the world itself could not contain the books. Jesus had tremendous miracles of healing. Dr. Lester Sumrall said Jesus was either in the act of healing someone or going to heal someone or coming from healing someone. You know, some of these people say, well, I don't believe in that healing stuff. Well, you need to get back to reading the Bible. You need to get back to believing the Bible. And I thank God that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank God that Jesus still does miracles. You know, we've had miracles in this church in the last two weeks. Praise God. Miracles of healing. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 3 says, Jesus went up in a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover of the Feast of the Jews was near. Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come to him, and he said to Philip, where are we going to buy food that these can eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered and said, 200 penny worth of bread. Now that's like 200 days wages. So if we could say a day's wages is $150, it's like $30,000 isn't enough to buy food for this multitude. There were 5,000 men plus women and children that were, were there. And he says that every one of them may take a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here. He has five barley loaves and two small fish, a lunch, little, little barley rolls. 
and two small fish. Here's one boy with a little lunch. Praise God. How many of you are glad that Jesus is not looking for what we don't have? He's looking at what we do have. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. And there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Mark chapter 6, verse 40 says he had them sit down in ranks by fifties and hundreds. So Jesus, right, brought order to the situation. You know, when you operate in your God-given authority, when you operate in authority, authority brings order, and order brings abundance. If you don't understand your God-given authority, it will be hard for you to walk in abundance. But when you understand authority, authority will bring order, and order will bring abundance. That's just, they flow together. Now, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. I believe he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And I believe he multiplied it, right? Gave it to the disciples, and then they took it, and when they broke it, it multiplied again. Praise God. They got involved in the miracle-working power of Jesus. And the disciples to those who were set down, and likewise the fishes, as much as they would. Did you know what? They gave everyone as much as they wanted to eat. And there was more than enough when they were filled. He said to his disciples, gather up the fragrance that remain, that nothing be lost. Now, look at the attitude of Jesus. Waste not, want not. Right? He just does this miracle, right? Takes a little boy's lunch, feeds 5,000 men, plus the women and children that were there also. Praise God. And then, after he works this miracle and multiplies this little boy's lunch, feeds over 5,000 people. He says, gather up the fragments, let nothing be lost. When they gathered them together, they filled the 12 baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves and which remained over and above unto those who had eaten. So they had over and above, more than enough. Now, where did those 12 baskets go? Well, I imagine Jesus sent them home with that little boy to his mama. She said, where have you been today? I've been with Jesus. Go see him more often. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God, because when you go see Jesus, you're not going to come up short. Praise God. And those men that had seen the miracle that Jesus did, this is a truth that a prophet would come into the world. This was a miracle of increase. So he had miracles of healing. He had miracles of increase and miracles of provision. Then when Jesus, therefore, perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again to the mountain alone. And when the evening was come, his disciples went down to the sea and entered into a ship. Now, a ship was like a fishing boat, right? It was about 30 foot long, about the length of the stage, the part of the stage I'm standing on right now, about 30 foot long. I've seen them, and about this wide, right? About six foot wide. And it was a fishing boat. And he went down and entered into this boat and went over the sea toward Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea rose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and 20 or 30 furlongs. So they rowed about 30 or 40 miles. Now the Sea of Galilee is eight miles wide and 13 miles long. So they were, they were roughly in the middle of that lake. They were afraid when this storm came. I don't know if you've ever been in a boat on a lake in a storm. But you know, I remember when I was a child, I had a 16-foot rowboat. I got on the Noshi Lake. Now, this, this lake wasn't, what, 
a mile and a half long or something. But I got the, out there a few hundred yards from the shore and a big wind came and I threw my anchor out. I had a 20-foot chain and it wouldn't hit the bottom. Listen, I was getting to shore as fast as I could. And I couldn't swim in as good as I could swim now. But, you know, I'm not for this uh, dangerous living. And uh, that was dangerous living in my mind. But they, they were out there and they were afraid. Do you know, when you're going through life, and I believe when Jesus tells his disciples, you read this in other uh, accounts of the gospel, to go to the other side. You know, it's like in life. He's told us to go to the other side. And as we're on the way to the other side, there's going to be some storms come. And some people think because I'm a believer and because I believe the Bible, there's not going to be storms. No, there's going to be storms. Why? Because Jesus said this in John 16, verse 33. He said, in the world, you shall have tribulation. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be problems. But he said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. So don't, you know, don't be surprised when trouble comes. Don't be afraid when problems come and trouble come. But keep your eyes on Jesus. Remember, Jesus is with you. Remember, Jesus has not left you. Praise God. And Jesus came and he was walking on the sea. And he said to them, it is I, be not afraid. Don't fear. Jesus hasn't left you. Just because you're in a storm does not mean the Lord has left you. Praise God. You need to remember. Many times you're in a storm because Satan is the God of this world. You know, he's still the God of this world. Now, Jesus, you know what? There is a devil and he's real. There's a God and he's real. But there, you know, because there's a devil, there's going to be some difficulties. There's going to be some problems. But you have authority over the works of the devil. I'm going to have to do a teaching soon on casting out devils and getting people free from the devil's power. Because it seems like all these people calling and talking about the devil, the devil, the devil. You know, there is a devil, but he's a defeated foe. Jesus conquered him at the cross. And Jesus said, those who believe will cast out devils. And you don't have to focus on the devil, the devil, the devil. Get your eyes off the devil and get your eyes on Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of heaven. He created all things. He's Lord of the earth. When Jesus walked on earth, Jesus was Lord in every situation. He was Lord over demons. He was Lord over lack. He was Lord over storms. He was Lord over disease. He was Lord over death. Jesus is Lord. Get your eyes on Jesus. You know, they brought me a woman one time and they had had her to a meeting trying to get her delivered. They said, we prayed for her for eight hours and we couldn't get her delivered. I had her free in 15 minutes. Glory to God. You don't have to give all this attention to the devil. You have authority over the devil. Did you know there is a spiritual battle? That's a scripture, right? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It's true. I've read it in 20 translations. And no matter how you read it, it says there's a battle. But Satan is a defeated foe. And we have authority over the devil. So take your God-given authority. You know, in other places, when the disciples were in a storm and they were afraid, Jesus would say, what's wrong with you? Why, why is your faith so little? Praise God, rise up and use what you've been given. When they, then they willingly received him into the ship and immediately it was at the land where they went. It's supernatural transportation. The next day when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw there was none other boat there except the one the disciples went into 
Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but the disciples were gone away alone. Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias near to the place where they did eat bread. And the Lord had given thanks. And when the people therefore saw Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they took to shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. Verse 25, and when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say to you, you do not seek me because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. In other words, you're not seeking me for who I am. You're not seeking me because of my power. You are seeking me for what you can get. Do you know there's some people like that today? They're not seeking Jesus for who he is. They're really not even seeking him because of his power. They're seeking him for what they could get. And you know, sometimes it takes some time before we figure out which ones are really seeking him for the true, you know, reason. But we would not look into Jesus for what we can get. We're seeking him because of who he is and because of what he has. Praise God. Now, he said, you seek me because you saw it, not because you saw the miracles, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Then he says this in verse 27. Do not labor for the meat which perishes, for that meat which endures, but for that meat that endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give to you, for him has the Father sealed. In other words, what are you working for? You know, some people, Dr. Summerall said, they are belly people. Praise God. Jesus said, listen, in John chapter 4, about verse 35, I have meat to eat that you not know not of. For my meat is to do the will of the Father and to do his work. What is motivating you? What is compelling you? Jesus said, I want you to be compelled by something more than what you're going to eat. Praise God. I want you to comp be compelled by everlasting life. And he says, which the Son of Man shall give to you, for him has the Father sealed. You know, when you believe on Jesus and you receive eternal life, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 teaches us that. Now, you know what? I, I grew up in a church, and I spent a lot, long time in some other churches that did not teach that. And so I thought people fell in and fell out. You didn't know. You know, you really didn't know where you were at. You didn't... <laughs> <laughs> You're just kind of hoping, hoping so. One person explained it like this. You have one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel, and you're just hoping to God you make it. But I found out what the Scripture says. And if you study the Scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, uh, on down through there, you will find out, amen, that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Praise God. And you are not following in and out of the kingdom of God. If you're born of God, you are a child of God. Hallelujah. And so he says, seek for everlasting life, which Jesus, the Son of Man, will give to you, for him has the Father sealed. Then they said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. We need to look at that question. What can we do? that we can work the works of God. You believe on the name of Jesus. 
You know, Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 12. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he, he who believes on me, the works that I do and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. Because of redemption, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are to be doing the same works as Jesus. Who is to be doing those? He said, he who believes on me. I love Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them who believe. Signs follow who? Believers. In my name they shall cast out devils. Most people leave that one out. Jesus said, I'll start with that one. Praise God. These signs are following those who believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They'll do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says if they drink any deadly thing, they're going to have divine protection. It shall not hurt them. They shall take up serpents. Now, we don't believe in snake handling, but if you're like Paul and out working and you pick up some sticks and a snake jumps out of the fire and bites you, what do you do? You shake it off. That's what happened in Acts chapter 27 when Paul was preaching. You know, they went to island Melita. They got shipwrecked there. And Paul was gathering, gathering sticks to make a fire and a snake bit him. And the, the natives said, hey, surely, you know what? He escaped the sea, but he must be wicked because now he should fall down and die. But then when he didn't fall down and die, they said he must be a god. Hallelujah. Paul got, you know what, he got all 276 people that were on the boat saved, praise God. And then he got a bunch of people on that island saved. Praise God. Thank God for the gospel. Thank God for the word of God. But these signs follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll have divine protection, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen. How many of you are believers in this place? You got hands. These signs shall follow those who believe. Amen. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Say, I'm a believer. I'm anointed to lay hands on the sick. And the sick shall recover. Amen. I got to tell you this story really quick. You remember Dr. Schuler? You know, he had the glass cathedral in California. He went to preach for Dr. Cho. And so he was preaching and Dr. Cho was interpreting. When he got done preaching, Dr. Cho said, now if you're sick, you come up here and Dr. Schuler is going to lay hands on you and you're going to recover. And Dr. Schuler said, oh no, I don't believe that. I don't do that. He said, oh no, I told them and you will and they will. Praise God. And so he laid hands on the sick and the sick recovered. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. These signs are going to follow those that believe. They're going to cast out devils. They're going to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. They're going to have divine protection. And they're going to lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. Now the disciples, after Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples went everywhere and preached the word, and the Lord worked with the word that they preached and confirmed the word that they preached with signs following. Do you know why we don't see more signs? Is because we don't preach the word. But if we'll preach the word, the Lord will confirm the word that we preach with signs following. These signs follow believers. How can we work the works of God? 
Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe on Jesus who the Father sent. Praise God. You believe Jesus. You're a believer. These signs follow believers. Then they said to him, what sign do you show us that we may see and believe? What? Look at this. Jesus just took a little boy's lunch and multiplied it and fed 5,000 men plus women and children. Then he went walking on the water in the storm. Nobody else got across the lake that night except Jesus' disciples and Jesus. And they're saying, what sign are you going to show us that we may see and work? Our fathers ate man in this desert. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say you, Moses did not give you that bread from heaven, but my father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. And they said unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes on me shall never thirst. Listen, Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the one who gives us life. And Jesus is the one who sustains our life. I have a question for you. How many of you in here ate a meal yesterday? Raise your hand. Now, how many of you in here are going to eat a meal today? Almost everybody, okay? <laughs> Praise God. In fact, I've eaten at least two meals the last seven days, every day. Amen? Not just two meals over the last seven days. I've eaten at least two meals a day for the last seven days. It's an I have an ongoing relationship with food. Right? Because it sustains me. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And what I want you to have is an ongoing relationship with me. I'm the one who gives you life, and I'm the one who sustains your life. He who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes on me will never thirst. But I said to you that you also have seen me and not believed. If all that the Father has gives me shall come to me. And him who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Isn't that good news? Jesus is not in the casting out business. He's not throwing out people. He's not throwing out believers. Praise God. You know, the Bible says that we are accepted in the beloved. So many people today struggle with rejection. I've been rejected by my husband. I've been rejected by my wife. I've been rejected by my parents. I've been rejected by my boss. I've been rejected by my church. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is not rejecting you. Jesus accepts you. Praise God. Hallelujah. And, and what, what do you have to do? Just believe him. Just receive it. He goes on and says in verse 38, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I will lose nothing, but raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. If you see Jesus and believe on Jesus, he's given you everlasting life. And you can take that into eternity. Then the Jews murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I came down from heaven? And Jesus answered and said to them, don't murmur among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. You know what? If somebody is going to come to Jesus, 
They must be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Did you know what? You cannot convict people of their sin. You cannot convict people that Jesus is the righteousness of God. You cannot convict people that the devil is a defeated foe. It takes the Holy Spirit to convict people of their sin. See, Jesus said this in John 16, verse 7 through verse 11. He said, it's expedient. It's very necessary for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit will not come. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin because they believe not on me. Do you know what the greatest sin is? The greatest sin is not believing on Jesus. Because if you don't believe on Jesus, he can't do anything about the other sins, plural, in your life. Of sin, because they believe not on me. He says, of righteousness, because I go unto my Father. Of righteousness, because Jesus is the righteousness of God. He did no sin. And Jesus made righteousness available to every person when he died and rose again. He says, of judgment, because of what? Because you're such a rotten worm? You're such a bad... No, of judgment because the prince of this world, because Satan has been judged. If you ever see for a moment in time how defeated the devil is and how victorious Jesus is, praise God, if you ever see for a moment in time how much that God loves you, Amen? If you ever see for a moment in time, not only how much God loves you, but how amazing God's plan for you is, you are going to be done serving the devil. Praise God. Why? Because he's a defeated foe. And God has an amazing plan for your life. And it all starts with Jesus. Praise God. And so, but, but there's only one way to come to Jesus, and that's you must be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Do you know, before I understood grace, I sometimes would get in the flesh. I would try to get people, amen, get saved in my own power and my own strength. And listen, if God doesn't convict them, if the Holy Spirit doesn't convict them, you can't convict them. I remember one time I did an altar call. It was on an Easter Sunday morning in Kit Carson, Colorado. We had a few sinners there, and I was trying to get them with all of my power, trying to get them to come to Jesus. Well, after that service, I had a man... And he was outside of the front step, and he said, listen, I am going to kill you. And he meant it. Now, he didn't kill me. Thank God. His brother and sister said, he'll never come to this church again. I felt so bad. But I was trying to do everything I could to get him to come to Jesus. His uncle told me, his uncle said, listen, he just wants to keep on his worldly living ways and he just doesn't want to come to Jesus yet it's nothing to do with you <laughs> but anyway I've learned hallelujah and I got a revelation of grace and you know what I can't do what only God can do it takes the Holy Spirit to convict people of their sin it takes the Holy Spirit to convict people that Jesus is the righteousness of God and that Jesus makes righteousness available to every person in his death and resurrection and it takes the Holy Spirit to convict people that this prince of this world Satan has already been defeated but you know what it also takes the Holy Spirit to reveal to you God's amazing plan for your life Jesus went on to say in verse 12 in John chapter 16, I have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. 
But when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he's going to take the things that are mine and the things that are the Father's, and he's going to show them to you. How many of you are glad we have a relationship today with Jesus? And we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is showing us what God's plan is. So it takes the Holy Spirit to bring people, to convict people, so they come to Christ. Jesus went on to say in verse 45, it's written in the prophets, they will all be taught of God. Every man therefore that has heard and has learned the Father comes to me. Not that any man has seen the Father except he which is of God has seen the Father. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes on me has everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which came down from heaven that man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. What is Jesus saying? He said, you must come into a personal relationship with me. You must have a personal experience of Jesus. Praise God, it's a personal. We're not talking about a head knowledge. You know, there's a lot of people that know about Jesus, but there's a difference in knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus intimately and personally. And having a personal relationship with him. And so when he talks about eating my flesh, he's talking about personally experiencing him. He's talking about receiving his life. When he's talking about drinking his blood. Now what does the blood speak to us about? He's talking about the forgiveness of our sins. How many of you are glad that Jesus shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins? How many of you are glad that when you came to Christ that all of your past sins were forgiven? How many of you are glad that since you've come to Christ that all of your sins have been forgiven? Praise God. I'm glad that all my sins were forgiven when I came to Christ when I was eight years old. I'm glad all the sins were forgiven that, you know, that I committed after I came to Christ before I received the Holy Spirit, when I received the Holy Spirit when I was 14 years old. I'm glad that all, the, all my sins were forgiven since I've become a pastor. Hallelujah. I'm glad that all my sins were forgiven before I got a revelation of grace. Hallelujah. I'm glad that Jesus forgives sins. And I'm glad that he has paid through the shedding of his blood for the forgiveness of all sin. Praise God. And what do we have to do to receive that forgiveness? Believe on Jesus. Believe on Jesus. Accept, receive the gift of eternal life. He goes on and he says, he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I am. See, he's talking about, I want to have a personal relationship with you. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate manna and are dead, he that eats this bread shall live forever. Now, when Jesus talks about manna, think about the manna really briefly. When we think about the manna, do you know what? When the children of Israel received the manna, they went every day out six days a week and they gathered enough manna for that day. 
right? If they got extra, right, except for the day before the Sabbath, what happened? It bred worms and stank. So they had to have an ongoing relationship, right? And Jesus is the bread of life. So do you know what? We need an ongoing relationship with Jesus. And just like they had to go out every day, right, and gather that manna for that day, Praise God, you need a personal relationship with Jesus where you spend time with Jesus Christ every day. Praise God. Now, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, does this offend you? You don't want to get offended. You know what? Offense is a, a one-way street right out of the ministry. Offense is a one-way street right out of doing what God wants you to do and being where God wants you to be. Don't let offense rule you. What, and if you see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Look at verse 63 really quickly. It is the Spirit who quickens. The flesh profits nothing. And the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. See, Jesus said it's the Spirit that gives life. It's the spirit that quickens. Now, he's talking about a personal relationship with him, and then he begins to talk about a personal relationship with the word. Do you know you can measure your relationship with Jesus by your relationship with the word? Amen? The place that the word holds in our daily life determines the place that God holds in our life. Amen? So you determine your relationship with God by your relationship with the word. And Jesus said, it's the spirit that quickens the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. You see, right in my hands, I hold the word of God, right? I hold the logos of God, the written word of God. But when Jesus takes a word from his word and speaks it to my spirit, that word becomes rhema. Do you know what? I read the Bible over and over and over and over and over and I've got, had God speak life-changing words to me from Isaiah. I've had God speak life-changing words to me from Job. Because more than the history of this Bible is perfect, but more than a history book, this book is life. And there's breath on this. And so I've had God speak to me things. I've had God change my direction. I've got, have God help me. Even this week, you know what? God gave me a word from his word that helped me go forward, live in faith, continue to believe him. Praise God. And you know what? He'll do that for everyone if you'll just continue to listen to the voice of his word and his spirit works with his word. Now, Jesus goes on and says, there are some of you who believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who, were, who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I said to you that no man can come to me except it were given to him of my father. In other words, they had to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus to the twelve. Now, listen, this probably was not Jesus' greatest day. Think about this. He has over 5,000 men plus women and children. He preaches a message. At the end of the message, over 5,000 men plus women and children leave. And he's left with the 12. And so what's he, what's he say to the 12? Then Jesus said to the 12, will you go away also? Listen, Jesus was so secure. Praise God. You know, sometimes you get upset because one person doesn't like you or somebody left. 
Praise God. I'm telling you what. If I had to worry about everybody that left, and sometimes I do, I get upset about those things. But you know what? Jesus, after five, over 5,000 people live, he looks at the 12 and said, you can go to doors open. Now listen to their answer. Listen to their answer. It's so good. Peter answered him and said, Lord, to who will we go? For you have the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? Where are we going to go? Because Jesus has the words of eternal life. You know, this is, this is the voice of a person who's come to Jesus. This is the voice of a person who's believed on Jesus. This is the voice of a person who's secure in Jesus. But not only has he come to Jesus, believed on Jesus, secure in Jesus, he is committed to Jesus Christ. Amen? And you know what? We need people that have not only come to Jesus, not only believed on Jesus, not only secure in Jesus, but they are committed to Jesus Christ. And they are committed to the Word of God. You know what? There's a lot of sacrifices and different things that Barbara and I, we've given up over the years for the Word. But there is one thing that we are committed to. We are committed to preaching the truth and believing the truth of God's Word. Where will we go? For only Jesus has the words of eternal life. Jesus answered them and said, Haven't I chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he that would betray him, being one of the twelve. You know, have you ever dealt with betrayal? It's such a sad thing. But here, do you know Jesus, before he picked his twelve disciples, he went out all night and prayed, and yet one of those betrayed him. So if Jesus dealt with betrayal, if you deal with very many people, you're going to have to learn how to deal with betrayal. But you know, let Jesus minister to you. Let Jesus comfort you. Let Jesus strengthen you and let him help you with his work. Praise God. How many of you believed on Jesus? You've come to Jesus. You're secure in Jesus and you're committed to Jesus Christ and his word. We love you. Aaron's going to come. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.